0: This episode. And also it's I'm glad you picked up on that because you could really zoom in on that detail because in the 1970s, making a phone call to the US, it was no small thing. It's not like now you just pick up your phone and your dial, you know, and you've got 20 yeah. different ways of doing it, you know, WhatsApp, FaceTime, Messenger, Voice, you know, yada yada yada. Back then it was it was much, much more difficult.
1: Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Callahan,
0: and hey everybody, I'm Mark Shank, and this is our final podcast for 2023, and we're in the run up to the uh, to the Christmas break, and we'll do this again at the end, but it's time to to really start thinking about uh, wishing everybody a fabulous festive season. And hope that you have a really relaxing,
1: yeah, rewarding, lovely break. Exactly. Lovely break. Hey, you know what? We also should mention, Mark. This is our two hundredth episode. We should two. probably mention that's that. a that's a big one, right? I'm 200. thinking that would
0: be in the category of milestone. <laughs> uh, All right, so, so our two hundredth. So no pressure. This no is pressure. Two hundredth. Exactly. Okay, so. With the break for the festive season coming up here in Australia, it's summer holidays, so that's why we won't we be back till towards the end of January. We're going to have a bit of that, you know, that whole Australian beach thing. And when we come back, well, with the festive season between us and the new year, there isn't much time if you want to get on board with our public programs. So, we've got our story powered sales and story powered leadership programs. Uh, running virtually in February. February. So right. February, yeah. So when you take out the break for the festive season, there isn't a lot of time. So if you're interested, just be aware, time is starting to run out. If you want more information on those, by the way, go to my website, anecdote.com forward slash events, and all of the details are there.
1: Excellent. Hey, we're going to have a new format next year as well. This is pretty exciting. So we'll we'll still have an episode, which is just a story that we tell and talk about that story. But we're also going to have an episode where we have a guest, you know, usually one of our customers who is using these story techniques and just get a bit of a feel for how they're doing it. Hopefully they'll get to tell us a story as well. And then the third type of episode we're going to do is just really honing in on a, a technique, a hack, something that you can actually do to improve your storytelling in a workplace setting. So there'll be these alternate episode types that we're going to kick into next year. So that's the plan. So oh, with all great. that, that's that's, our, that's a little bit of, you know, sort of keeping all the nuts and bolts uh, working together. Let's and get if, you into... want
0: to, if you want to subscribe, so click the subscribe, the like button, because what that does is it helps people find our podcast. And it helps more people build a repertoire of stories and and use stories to be more human in the workplace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great idea. Now, let's get into our story. Now, I'm kind of looking out over my backyard and I can see something which I believe is a, a feature of your story. You have one.
0: Yep. It's a Weber barbecue. Indeed. At Christmas like, you know, one of the traditional things in the, in the Shank family is a turkey cooked in the Weber kettle barbecue. So we'll be doing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Weber, like it's synonymous with the word Weber. It's synonymous with barbecue. And in Australia, it wasn't always the case. So back in the 1950s, the Weber was invented, the Weber kettle barbecue was invented in Chicago. And it was incredibly successful. It became a a household name in the US, and so they started expanding into other countries. And so they bought the Weber kettle barbecue to Australia in the nineteen early nineteen seventies, and it was an immediate failure. (laughs) It just didn't take off at all. No one, you know, Australians kind of looked at it and went, "That is weird. That just is so not what we associate with a barbecue." And after a, a bit of effort. Webber eventually just pulled out of Australia and just went, no, that's going nowhere. And a few years later, in 1978, there was a guy called Ross McDonald. At the time, he was 33 years old. He lived in Adelaide. He was a qualified accountant. He worked for PwC and Deloitte, or whatever they were called back then. And he hated it. He just hated being an accountant in one of the big firms. And so he resigned. And he he got a job as a labourer for a pool construction company. Nice. And one day he was cooking. He was at a friend's place for a barbecue, and they had a Japanese barbecue, and he thought the food was terrific, cooked really well. And so he thought, "I've got an idea." And he mortgaged his house, and he ordered a a container load of one hundred of these Japanese barbecues from Japan, and. Turns out he wasn't a bad salesman. He'd sold them all before the sh- before the container even hit the shore. and wow. uh, That's and, amazing,
1: isn't it? Are yeah. these, these sort of little hibachi type uh, badges. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Wood, wood uh, you know, you burn, you know, some typicals like chips of wood that you burn and whatnot. Yeah, yep. good. And
0: he was, so, you know, four container loads later, so he's starting to do pretty yeah. well with this he was doing an in-store demonstration at a retailer and in the back of the store in his dusty old box was a long forgotten weber and he kind of went what's that and they got it out and he had a bit of a play with it and he realized that this was a terrific product and he he saw this huge opportunity so he it took him eight phone calls before weber would talk to him Weber in Chicago <laughs> and he eventually he had a conversation that lasted 3 hours and apparently they were pretty excited at the fact that he was an accountant and so the yeah they were used to deal, dealing with people with robbery figures but he he was all over the numbers <laughs> anyway so they eventually uh, allowed him to uh to represent Weber in Australia and he did really well he sold 1600 Webers in the first year and he really believed in the product. He thought it was a, an absolutely first-class product, but he knew that just having a great product wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, particularly because in Australia this was so weird. So what he did, well, he did he did a lot of really interesting things. He would spend lots of time with his Weber barbecue in Rundle Mall in Adelaide, in front of his friend's jewelry store, cooking stuff and feeding people, and getting interest. It's rumored that in those early days if you bought a Weber barbecue there was a very good chance that the first time you used that barbecue at home, Ross McDonald would be there helping you use it, cooking it for you so that you had a terrific you know absolutely world-class experience that first time. And now he went around the country doing demos in malls, in retailers and in a lot of private homes, he would always build time in, to his schedule, he wouldn't leave a city until he'd had time to take people who'd bought a, a Weber through the process of how to use it.
1: Is that right?
0: Yeah. Wow. So by this is now, and so by 1986, there 80,000 units sold. Australia became Weber's biggest export market in the world, and it is Weber is now a household name in Australia. You got one on your porch. My turkey's looking. He's going to look, look real good in one. And so I really love this. You know, like. Most people looked at that Webber and thought weird. He looked at it. Ross McDonald looked at it and saw opportunity.
1: Yeah. How cool is that? You know, I was listening to a podcast uh, just last week of two teachers talking about, a math teacher and an English teacher talking about how, how children learn. And the big point they were making is that you needed to have some knowledge about something which is connected to the new knowledge. Right, you can't just learn something which is disconnected. Yeah, because let's he, talk about arithmetic. Yeah, that's right. He like, yeah. so he had hibachis, so it's got him focused on barbecues, yeah. and now he can see barbecues. He's got like his radar scanning the, you know, the uh, landscape for barbecues. Sees that Weber in the back of that warehouse, and uh, you know, and out of that can see opportunity. But it would never have happened if he didn't go to his friend. Have a, isn't it serendipitous? yeah how yeah. these things happen well they try you
0: know like preparation meets opportunity that's like
1: right that. well that's yeah. it exactly so, But also
0: there's you know that thing about the reticular activating system you know where where you know like you buy a car and suddenly you see oh that car
1: right yes right. yes exactly and so
0: yeah, so so he's he's attuned to it yeah he's attuned yeah. to barbecue
1: yeah um, yeah yeah i think it's great so yeah i think that the other thing that jumped out and I suppose this is one of the business points for jumping ahead here, but you know, eight phone calls to headquarters, you know, before they answer the answer the call, you know just that level of persistence to know that he's onto something, he's just got to keep you know knocking on the door to get a response. I think that's that's the sort of thing, it's a lesson, isn't it? You learn pretty early. if you want to get something through, you just got to try every possibility.
0: And, and also, it's, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that because you could really zoom in on that detail because in the 1970s, making a phone call to the US, it was no small thing. It's not like now you just pick up your phone and your dial, you know, and you've got 20 yeah. different ways of doing it. You know, WhatsApp, FaceTime, Messenger, voice, you know, like yada, yada, yada. Back then, it was, it was much, much more difficult and pretty expensive.
1: Did I ever tell you how I got a blurb on my book by Robert Cialdini?
0: I know that you have one. Yes. I'm I'm sure you've told me.
1: So, I mean, he's an absolute God in this whole area of influence psychology and and sort of the storytelling was connected to that. And I referenced him numerous times in my book and I wanted him to, to read and blurb it. And so my brother lived in Arizona, Cialdini lived in Arizona. And so uh, I got him to make up a a basket of Australian goodies with my books that are sitting there. So some wine, some Vegemite, all those sort of things, books sitting on the top. And then my brother found out his home address and actually (laughs) rocked up to his home, knocked on the door and sort of said, here's the basket. And by the way, would you mind uh, reading my brother's book and, and, and writing a blurb? Which he did. So that was very nice of him. So you gotta get creative, wow. right? You've got to get you gotta get creative, do. you know, to, to get through get through some of these um various barriers. So, right, so what, what go, did you go. like
0: what did you like about that?
1: Well, I mean, the the scene that I really loved was him noticing the dusty old Weber at the back of the warehouse or wherever it was. Uh, to me, that was the moment of of insight, right? The uh, the point where he went, hmm, there's something unusual here. I'm going to have a look at that. I love that. I I, I kind of like just the, the fact that he was a guy who would go out and do all those demonstrations as well, right? That, you know, people just don't get it by talking about it. you got to see it. Yep. That's one of the reasons we run our public programs because... You know, we get people to see what we're doing and they, they kind of get it. It's hard no, to understand. We
0: can, yeah, we can talk about it for forever, but when you experience it and you go, oh, it's like when you eat a perfectly cooked steak on Weber, you go, oh,
1: wow. <laughs> that's it.
0: That's
1: not exactly that. what it is.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so there were two. What about you? What did you like telling in the, in the story? Well, all right. This might sound a little... Anyway, accountant couldn't stand
0: his job became a laborer for a pool construction business i right. like that i do right. like and that then too. right just that just says something about his character and then going to his friend's place and seeing that japanese barbecue and mortgage like this guy is an
1: entrepreneur yeah. yeah yeah certainly built for it isn't he i'm just trying to think you know is there any anything we would suggest to make this an even better story as a I always like to know what these people look like in some way. So, uh, you know, some sort of thumbnail sketch of, you know, what was his name again? I didn't, I didn't, Ross remember. McDonald. Ross McDonald. You know, what does Ross look like? He's, he
0: looks like a 33 year old accountant. Does he? <laughs> One of the big firms. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's probably all you like barbecues. Know. Yeah. He liked the barbecues. And was
0: fit enough to, uh, to help build in ground swimming pools.
1: Yeah. But apart from that, I, I like this. This is, a, this is a rollicking good story.
0: And I want to say, it's re- for me, It's just so easy to tell. I mean, once you got his name. Yes. Like there's a couple of dates.
1: couple you know, of like dates, Early 70s. A couple of figures. 80,000. And,
0: and the know. rest is, the rest just tells itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it.
0: So that's let's, one of the let's... things I really like about it is that I just did that without, I mean, I literally did that without notes.
1: Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. Just... Off the top of yeah. your head. So tell me, what do you think is the big business point in out of this story?
0: Well, I, I don't know. There's two. So, one of them is the one I use, which is when you look at something, do you see weird or do you see opportunity? Right. So so the, your perspective can have a huge influence yeah. On, yeah. On, on the outcome of something. And that's particularly relevant for business. Like somebody's introducing a change. What are you looking at? You know, are you looking at it and going, Oh, that's weird. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. Or do you look at it and go, Oh, well, there's an opportunity because it completely changes the yeah. response. Yeah. So that's the first one. And the second one you've already picked up on was that, you know, going out and doing all those demos. That's
1: think- right. You've got, to, you've got to make it familiar to people. People yeah. are scared of the unfamiliar.
0: Yeah. Make it familiar and, and give them a good experience and they'll tell their friends.
1: Yeah. Did he sort of discover word of mouth was his biggest seller? Or is that Yeah,
0: business? I don't I don't know enough about right. that. But certainly in the early days it was the him going out and doing the demonstrations and then starting from the that you know, the number of people that he could reach and make sure it had a great experience. Yeah. So yeah, he was definitely out and about. He wasn't just kind of sitting, he wasn't a keyboard warrior and yeah. just sitting there and sending out emails to people. Not that you could have done that very well in the 1970s. No
1: no emails there, mate.
0: But he just got in and did it.
1: Just as a little sidebar, do you know what sort of um, barbecue we had as a kid when I was a kid? You'll never probably never guess. It was a a hubcap, right? (laughs) Filled with sawdust, poured with methylated spirits, sitting underneath a... Uh, essentially a, a, a round plate, which was uh, one of the plows that you plow in shear that you would look, do on the back of a, you know, sort of a, a tractor that you know, sort of plowed up a field. It was one of those, and that sat on top of some bricks. That was our, but it was a great barbecue. Like this thing just did a perfect meal in one sort of hubcap. Only required one hubcap. And... uh <laughs> So is the hubcap a unit
0: of measure in the Callaghan oh, household? It should be. I mean,
1: <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I, it's almost like a, a precursor to the hibachi and then the uh, the Weber, you know, but all on on uh, sawdust. Anyway, back to the story. Back to the story. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, no, okay, come out of the rabbit hole. Come on. Out, come. out of that
1: rabbit hole. Yeah, I think this, this is a nice little story. Ross McDonald. I'll remember that name now.
0: So, business points around the way you look at something, their you know, opportunity or weird experience and making things familiar, I just yes, you know the importance of customer experience.
1: I think the other thing, too, is that there's a point about it's impossible to see something, an opportunity, unless you've had an analogous or connected a connected experience. Like it was only through those Hibachi, that Hibachi experience that he could even see web of barbecue in the warehouse. Yeah. To me, that's a, I know it's, I've mentioned it before, but I'm just, it, it's really grabbed my attention that becomes such a one. Now, does that, how does that help you though? Like, does that mean just go and get lots of experiences? Is that, is that the advice that you're sort of, I'm suggesting here? I'm not too sure, but certainly giving more experiences and read widely and be interested in broad things. It's about being curious, right? It um, yeah, enables you to see much more patterns and i think that's yep. what he, he did
0: i think yeah that was the walt whitman quote be curious not judgmental or don't
1: yeah something that, about, yeah
0: different. yeah they're, they're, i'm different. sure he
1: put it in a lovely poem or something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into some scores then right uh, cool I oh, think oh well I told him what, are you, I, what I, are you I'm giving this a uh, eight and a half. I'm reluctant to give it a nine for some reason, but I'm giving it an eight and a half. This is a cracking story. This is a story that I can imagine some good slides go with as well.
0: Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm giving it an eight. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a terrific story and for me it's just so easy to tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's Once great. you've got Ross McDonald's name and a couple of dates and of course the fact that it's a Weber means that it's very relatable and easy to retell. So exactly, exactly. All right. So we're finishing the year with an eight and an eight and a half. That's, that's a, good a pretty good, that's a pretty
1: good finish on. for the year. Yeah, so, yeah. Number 200. So everyone have a lovely Christmas, lovely holiday, wherever you are in the world. And yeah, we look forward to, you know, sort of adding some more stories to your repertoire next year and also bringing you some more guests some more tips, some more tricks, techniques, etc. and yeah, really getting that storytelling happening on your day-to-day sort of work conversations. Anything else we need to finish up with, Bart? I think we're
0: just going to finish by saying that's a wrap for 2023, and we'll see you all in the new year and take on another journey in 2024.
1: Yeah. Bye for now.